Hello, hello, Paul. How are you doing? I'm very well, my friend. I'm very well. So we are uh, here, separated by I don't know how many hundreds of miles, and yet uh, completely united by uh, our desire to talk about at least one classic Britpop album tonight. Yes, absolutely. If not two, if we can. But yeah, definitely on the first. I have yeah. To say, yeah. There's been a bit of uh, a bit of chatter around uh, the album we're going to talk about. Uh, which, of course, is Blur's Modern Life is Rubbish. And as we speak, uh, Britpop Memories on Twitter is about to start the first Britpop listening party where they're going to be listening to this album as we are doing this. And there's been a couple of pieces written about Modern Life is Rubbish in the last few days as well. I I wrote one, and then uh, there was another chap on Twitter whose name now escapes me. I want to say Tim Worthing, but I'm not sure that's accurate. I'll I'll find out and I'll add it in later on. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I I wonder why... Nick, why why modern life is rubbish? What is it about that record that is you know makes it so significant? Oh, it's yeah, it's a very good question and a deep one to kick off with. I have to say straight off that, like I said before on Twitter, I uh, I, I agree with you hundred percent. It's a masterpiece, and that uh, it is one of the most important Britpop albums. And may I add a far more important Britpop album than Park Life, in my opinion, which was the commercial high point, I think, for Blur at that time. I don't think I, we need to go into The Great Escape, really. I, I mean, I've come to appreciate that, appreciate that one a bit more in recent years, but I can't separate it from all that Damien Hirst malarkey, you know. It's it's a bit fat Les light, plump Les, maybe, or something like that. <laughs> plump Les. <laughs> or or sl- slightly rotund Les, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think it is. I think it's the high point, certainly yeah. for, for that period of Blur. If we, if we take those three albums as a sort of trilogy, you know, if, yeah. if we if we if we put Leisure to one side and say, well, that's kind of a calling card. But that 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 trilogy of albums, Modern Life is Rubbish, Park Life, and The Great Escape, is for me, Modern Life is Rubbish is the high watermark. Uh, and I, I think you're right to describe it as a a, a masterpiece. Yeah. But not for me, not just of Britpop. I, I think it is one of the great British records yeah no i know i i totally agree i think it could be it could definitely hold its hold its weight against anything like the kinks or you know small faces in terms of uh having that kind of very british feel but also the playfulness the musicianship the lyrical content it's uh it's of its time yet timeless like those albums you know you can pick maybe one or two out of any of the great bands and say you know is as relevant now as it was then because it makes you feel the same way that maybe people felt then and the messages maybe not so not so super relevant but they'll they have these universal themes which we will always connect with in whatever time and I think Modern Life is Rubbish is one of those. I mean, for me, whenever I listen to it, even now, I think it's a musical document of what Britain was like at that time. But it's also, you know, it's also these stories which remain true now, you know, about the the family gathering for the roast, you know, in Sunday, Sunday. And, you know, and the teenager, you can imagine them sitting there just counting the hours or the minutes before they can just do one and go and, be with their mates you know it's that that feeling which is always going to be everyone will feel like that at some point as they grow up and so it kind of nails 
very much that time, but it could also very much apply to people's lives now, which you know, I think that, that makes a great album, uh, maybe a perfect album. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. The, the original title that, that Albon had in his head was uh, Britain versus America. Yeah. Which I, th- I think it's interesting because, you know, you know, there's that old thing, right? What's, what's in a name? But actually, going with that title would have been so provocative and would have been so uh, insular looking and inward looking that it would have mm. dated the album itself very, very quickly. Yeah, but, absolutely. But Modern Life is Rubbish is a timeless statement. I mean, he, again, Damon got a fair bit of stick when he talked about it being the most <laughs> important statement since, you know, anarchy in the UK. But I think he was right. I, I don't think that was just Damon being Damon. I, I think he was absolutely right. I think that that notion that modern life is rubbish is universal and timeless. There are always problems. And particularly for young people. Young people will always either hark back to a time that they feel may have been better or they will have one eye on the future. And sometimes they manage to meld both of those things and yeah. create something completely new. And I think that's what Modern Life is Rubbish did really well. It, it, it looked back at, at the risk of being obvious, it looked back at things like Village Green Preservation Society, and it definitely looked with a critical eye at what was going on in British culture at that moment. But it still managed to sound like a, a forward, a forward-looking thing. I mean, I described it in the piece that I wrote on the, the site, I described it as a manifesto. And yeah. I think that's exactly what it was. Yeah, 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 no, and I, I totally agree with that as well. I mean, the album itself is punky, spunky, poppy, lippy, because, you know, he's having, he's having his fun, isn't he, Alban, on that album? You know, listen to those lyrics. He's, I, I think they're, they're better than, what, what he comes up with there is, like, much better than some of the stuff on Park Life as well, which I think went in, was already kind of going a little bit too into pastiche, but on this one... For me, it's one of those albums which changed it all. And um, I had the same kind of experience when I first heard the Stone Roses album. It was such a, a, a life-changing album. It's not to say that, you know, music before that was irrelevant and I didn't think anything before was good. It's just that when one album like that comes along, it consumes you just so much that everything, pardon the pun, it kind of, goes into a bit of a blur that just kind of stands out for me that time listening to that for the first time you know it made me want to stomp about you know and getting people's faces which was different from the flower power kind of dancing your head off somewhere in a field and you know that was a way of forgetting about your troubles this is a bit more like okay this is right you know what he's saying is yeah we should get a little bit agitated about this you know yeah, modern life, what it's saying to me is that um, it's not a green and pleasant land. It's a country full of checkout girls who can't pay the rent and disenchanted office boys who, as he says, feel foul-mouthed as they stand and wait for the underground. You know, that's Blur's Britain in 93. It's dirty yeah. and knackered, you know. It's a great line, isn't it? Yeah, oh, totally, you know. And um, everyone's underpaid and it's all a bit sleazy, you know. And this is about Britain which was a bit more than a bit crap and needed a bit of a kick in the backside. And I think that's where this album actually made people say, yeah, we're, we're the ones to do that. And that's why I think kicked off Britpop because it made people start thinking we should be involved in something now. This well, is... I, I think that's right, Nick. And I, I, I think the other interesting thing there is that 
in that regard, you know, Auburn's sort of rejection of the way things were as being the way things always had to be, and also his violent reaction against grunge puts them side by side with Noel Gallagher, right? I mean, we've heard Noel mm-hmm. talk about, you know, I hate myself and I want to die and thinking, no, 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 we can't have that. And <laughs> okay, it wasn't, it, it wasn't written as a response to that, but then he mm-hmm. wanted to put out different messages and live forever as that. And there's there's a great quote from Damon. Well, I say a great quote. I mean, it's deliberately provocative, of course. He says, uh, if punk was about getting rid of hippies, then mm-hmm. I'm getting rid of grunge. It's the same sort yeah. of feeling. People should smarten up, be a bit more energetic. They're walking around like hippies again. They're stooped. They've got greasy hair. <laughs> there's, there's no difference. And I mean, I know that that makes him sound like a sort of, uh, you know, a terrible middle-aged, middle-class dad. But that, that has always been part of British youth culture. The idea of peacocking, you know, of, of walking a certain way, of talking a certain way, and particularly of dressing a certain way yeah. in order to show that regardless of your background, regardless of, you know, where you come from, you're going to make an effort. And I, I think he was right. I, th- I think there were a lot of kids in Britain at that point who just, well, certainly I was one of them. I, I did mm-hmm. not want to wear, you know, jeans that were three sizes too big. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't want to wear that awful Nirvana T-shirt, you know, with the sort of smiley face with the dead eyes. I, I had no interest in that. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to have greasy hair. And, and I think that that's the other aspect of Modern Life is Rubbish that makes it absolutely a manifesto. If he's talking like that, he definitely wanted to rally people around something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. So what's your story? So when you, uh, everyone has a story which are related to the album, where were you before it came out and uh, what changed? Yeah, well, I, th- I think at that point I would still have been kind of firmly in the grip of the the Smiths and Morrissey thing you know that that had come along for me maybe around about 89 and that that dominated everything for the next three four years certainly until modern life is rubbish but but floating around in the background was always the the fact that my mum and dad were mods you know so there was always a mod thing lurking in my background but at that point I would still have had the quiff I would still have had the, you know, sort of vintage Levi's. I would still have had, oh, I don't know, Smith's T-shirts and blah, blah, blah. And then I remember seeing the photographs that accompanied Modern Life is Rubbish, you know, Damon with the, the Great Dane. Um, yeah. Them sort of skulking around in side yeah. streets with suit jackets on, you know, the Dr. Mm. Martin boots. And I remember having a real reaction to that. And I, I can remember being in the in the common room at school with my, my mate Chris and the two of us, seeing this in the enemy or melody maker and without saying anything to each other the 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 very next day my quiff was gone and we both (laughs) turned up at school in uh fred perry's as opposed to white shirts um and our school ties tied backwards you know that thing kids do where they turn the the fat end to the rear so the skin oh yeah oh yeah yeah, of course (laughs) so even before hearing it it had this enormous impact on everything that i was doing yeah yeah. What about you? Yeah, kind of, kind of similar. It was a, it, it was that kind of impact on the change of life and image, pretty much overnight. I think it goes back a little bit further for me. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll be very unme and say that I came to blur through the most popular route, which is there's no other way. Take it to run, and I'm gonna look at you, take it to run. 
So there's no, I loved Seymour first, blah, blah, blah kind of thing. No, no. <laughs> it was the radio-friendly hit single that got me into it. But yeah, And uh, the only muso thing I can probably add is that it was at the time of release, but that just shows my age rather than any kind of like finger, <laughs> finger on the pulse. But anyway, so, uh, so Blur were on my radar from about, what, 91 onwards, I suppose. So I played Leisure to Death, but I was particularly baggy at the time. I was well into the, the Stone Roses and Happy Monday. So I was in the jeans, which were three times too big. And uh, the, the re- regurgitated flower power. And of course, Le- Leisure got thrown in with that, which is it really shouldn't have done. And that's another conversation for another yeah. day. But And uh, yeah, so when, when Leisure was out, uh, played that to death and saw them multiple times around that time, and uh, and then nothing kind of materialised for a while. And other st- other stuff started to creep in for me. There was a bit of an ecstasy hangover going on, so there was there was stuff like the Orb and Prodigy and the Shame and horrible stuff like that, <laughs> which were were doing kind of underground <laughs> stuff around in our area, which you know filled the time. But then suddenly, yeah, what was it? January '93, I think I've got written down here. And then um, For Tomorrow was released. And then I, I heard that. And just as I'd ditched my goth garb in the 80s for flower power, <laughs> I, I was suddenly wearing three pairs of football socks so I could fit into my brother's Dr. Martins, you know. And I went the flares and in came the stay press. And, uh, you know, I remember one particular scene very clearly. It's, to this day, it stands out. And uh, I ribbed the people who were involved continually when i do get to see them but uh i used to live very close to one of those seaside towns you know when morrissey would talk about they forgot to close down and uh me and my mates all used to congregate at the seafront arcade we always used to meet up there it was very depressing very kind of 80s windswept no money kind of typical kind of almost mike lee kind of scenario but anyway so but my, my conversion or Shea Meadows probably more than anything but um yeah so my conversion was pretty rapid so I, there was me I kind of pull up in the car park in my crappy fiesta and strut out with my cropped hair uh, happy Mondays curtains were then long gone in a tweed blazer and drain pipes and these overly massive dms no word of a I tell you no word of alignment my mates took one look at me and their faces dropped and they just walked off <laughs> not, not a word shunned I was and they didn't speak to me because in their eyes I had betrayed this whole summer of love and you know the roses and the Mondays and so I could do one and so I did <laughs> but of course it didn't last it didn't last because you know there was some general resistance and mickey taking until modern life as rubbish came out in May of that year and uh you know, I bought it straight away and I had it on in the car and uh, next thing you know, everyone's listening to it. They play the um, the Norwich UEA, which was our the biggest venue nearest to us, so we went. And there they were, you know, all my mates, Fred Perried up, Poe going around like they'd never even heard of a pair of maracas. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just for me, it changed everything for them too. And uh, after that, you could barely see a pair of flares on the street. That's was, right, yeah, was, Joe, Joe, Joe Bloggs was, oh, was banished. Joe Bloggs Joe was banished. Joe Bloggs, Joe Bloggs. <laughs> 
or, yeah. or Pepe. Pepe jeans were another brand that I seem to remember were quite popular yeah. at that time. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it it was it wasn't a, it wasn't a good look. Uh, no. I, th- I think that's that's safe to say. Now, listen, you, you mentioned two things there that I want to pick up on. I want to talk a little bit about what it was like seeing Blur at that point. I'll maybe tell yeah. my story about that in a second, but I want to go back to hearing for tomorrow. He's a twentieth century boy with his hand on the rail, trying not to be sick again and holding on for tomorrow. London ice cracks on a seamless line. He's hanging on for dear life, and so we hold each other. But I, I remember going to Stereo 1 and picking up CD1 and CD2 for tomorrow. Um, cover art alone was just enough. It was so great, you know, those Spitfires and the sort of yeah, boys' yeah, yeah. own birthday card thing. And But the, the song itself, though, is so achingly beautiful. It's so romantic in sort of every way. You know, there's strings and it's, you know, it's got melody layered on top of melody and Alburn has this kind of yearning in, in the vocal and it's bringing up, you know, things like the West Way and Primrose Hill and it, it, it's also London. And yet, and yet, despite that, I got it and yeah. I connected with it immediately, which suggests that there was something universal at the heart of this vision that they were creating with that song. I love that song. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I get that from what you've written about it before, and uh, yeah, I, I love it too. I would actually, well, it's just pure personal taste, and probably it's uh, uh, it's a different story which then puts my choice ahead of yours in my own personal scale, but um, I think it was Chemical World for me. One, two, Not because I, I think it's a better song, but there was there was just something about it, the way that it's structured and its uh, I don't know, its rhythm to it got me a little bit more. But um, yeah, for for tomorrow, I can see for opening up and and um, releasing that first, and uh, compared to all the stuff which had come out from Leisure, you know, it's like wait a minute, is this the same band? Right, it's 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 so it's so it's such another step in terms of quality it's a step to the side in terms of style as well and it it kind of knocked me me uh sideways as well so but in a different way from what you've mentioned but well i think we have to give some kind of credit to Stephen street at that point don't we in terms of how oh, yeah. things were sounding you know i mean he he is yeah, absolutely he's the master right i mean yeah. he is he's the man you know for, for that particular sound for that particular style for those bands i mean even he's worked with people like the cranberries I mean, i'm not a huge fan of the cranberries but you know his his ability to elevate things yeah. is just I, I think he's close to being untouchable um Stephen yeah he's, he's brilliant he, He's he's the perfect man for bands like that. Yeah. All right. So now, what about this? Um, going to see Blur live at that point. Yeah. Do you have any memories of that and what that was like? 
Um, my, <laughs> it's their own fault for picking the name for the band, isn't it? But everything is a bit of a blur. I have to. Remember. <laughs> um, I remember at one point seeing them when they had these stage set up as a living room, and I can't remember. Yes, is, is that is that the Modern Life is Rubbish tour? Because I mean, that's that's what I can't remember because I remember that as well. You I remember, remember that seeing, too. I do. I saw Blur playing at the Glasgow Barland in front yeah. of about maybe 500 people, if you were lucky. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking it must have been before a Modern Life is Rubbish, because maybe in the space in between, because Radiohead were the support act. Right. And it was it was the Yamaha Music Festival. And so there was like okay. a, a, a local band who'd won some kind of local competition to play at the Barlands. And I remember they had somebody in a top hat who threw playing cards into the audience. It was all very mm. surreal. And then Radiohead came on. Then, as now, I wasn't particularly enamoured with yeah. it. And then Blur came on. And as you say, yeah, they had the place done up like a, a sort of very strange sitting room. There was a big yeah. armchair and a fridge and a standard lamp. That's it. And the uh, lamp would flash on and off. That's like, right. Kind of like odd, odd slight um, short circuit or something going on to it. Yeah, it's a bit like the, um, is it the pop scene video. They're in a kind of certain, like a situation That's like right. that. With the carpeted walls and no, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I remember that for sure. I remember, um, I remember seeing them when they um, toured Leisure, and that was very basic. And of course, they were ramshackle as hell and that. But <laughs> modern life is rubbish. I remember seeing them at the UEA as well, because, like I said previously, that was kind of the biggest place, very close by to where we were. And um, our friend at Britpop Memories, he mentioned on Twitter. Not so long ago, he said uh, he mentioned about the the Modern Life is Rubbish tour and put some yeah. um, clipping up from the NME and said, "Has any did anyone go to these gigs?" And I and I looked and I knew that I'd been on, I'd seen them on that tour for sure, but the um, the dates I went to weren't on there. So I checked, did my own research, and it was after the release of the album. So it was around June, I think. I saw them, but it was definitely on that tour. And, uh, yeah, it was mental. One of the things which I think it's, it's it happens on the, um, or in the star shape video as well, you know, when Damon oh, yeah. mess, messes his foot up, yeah, he breaks his foot or something. <laughs> That's right. The, like a speaker stack falls on his A speaker, his yeah, exactly. he climbed up to the top of the speakers on one side of the stage and he was he was more than a little bit inebriated and <laughs> it could have all ended then it could have it could have been i don't know minor pop star pop, pop star dies in speaker floor or something but uh yeah it was they they, they were pretty crazy and that was i remember it being a I also remember, was it then? No, I might have been a different, a later gig because Pop Scene had been released. Was Pop, Pop Scene came later. Pop Scene came before Park Life, didn't it? 
No, no Popsing came before Modern Life is Rubbish, and they, okay. they, they didn't they didn't include it because that's it only it. made it to number thirty two okay. in the charts or something. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm getting that's it. You've 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 nailed it. So it probably was that gig, and uh, me and my friend Dixie, God bless you wherever you are. I miss you. I haven't seen him for like decades. We would gig together all over the place. We were massive fans of pop scene, but also the B-side, one of the B-sides was Mace. That's right, yeah, great yeah. record. Brilliant. And uh, if I read the, the story of Blur's, like, anyway, it mentions that it's, it's, it's written about being a gig which turned into an almost riot and there were no windows or something and then they started using tear gas or something the police were outside <laughs> and they'd written they'd written mace about this gig which had gone completely tits up and anyway so we were in the crowd and it was at the i remember now you're right it was at this um modern life is rubbish tour at this show and there was a break in the song and my mate dixie was shouting mace play mace and, da- and Damon's like, you're being too selective. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just, that's enough for us. Well, you don't even have to play the song. You answered us at least. We won't base. No, being too selective. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those, 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 those gigs at that point in time were, you know, genuinely chaotic. You know, yeah. I think a, a, a mixture of desperation and uh, alcohol. Uh, combined to to make them yeah. just just mad. I mean, it, it's funny when you when you look back at Star Shaped now, mm. it's it's just so peculiar. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they all all four of them come across as just very very peculiar people. You know, there's Damon <laughs> who's just this sort of mad imp running around. You know, shouting, dancing, jumping, mm. flirting. Graham's kind of sulking in a corner somewhere. You know, looking arch and knowing. There's there's that wonderful moment. I don't know if you remember where they're sitting on the tour bus and Alex <laughs> James is having a cup of tea with a saucer and he's doing it beautifully. You know, <laughs> he's, he's, he's managing to do it and and Graham dribbling, tipping his all over the place. It's just wonderful. The the other thing I really love about Star Shaped is, I I think it's quite close to the end where they're sitting around a sort of campfire at Glastonbury or whatever, and there's some awful kind of pseudo-goth type girl who's pontificating about goodness knows what. Hey, we've got a rocker here. I'm not a rock, I'm a goth, thank you. I see. They still exist. They still exist. So what influences do Blur have with their backing? I mean, what influences do you have? What? What's your influence to Blur? I mean, Heineken. what? Possibly beer, thank you. Well, I mean, the fact, the fact, the fact that Coke became diet. Pepper smells the, the like shit. The fact that Coke became peach snaps, actually. Well, that's, that's probably more interesting. Is that the smell? And just the look on all of their faces as if to say no you don't get it 
that's yeah. not what this is. This 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 is something different. All all of this stuff that you're spewing, all this kind of musel bollocks, you know, melody yeah. maker from 1977. We're not interested in that. We're, 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 it's different now. This this is it. We are it, and we've set the template. They they were just so. I think they genuinely saw it as their last chance, right? And that that, that yeah, either goes yeah. one of two ways. I think for a band, either it propels them to something incredible, or it just all ends in tears. And for Blood, it clearly led to somewhere that none of them I think could really have imagined not even yeah. Damon yeah 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 no I agree because I don't know unless you are a big fan or you dig into it and you or you're interested in knowing the history about certain records which I certainly am so I mean, you know that's that's part of as much as the music in some ways I want to find out more about how it was made and when they made it and what was happening and all that but at that time they were really in quite a bit of deep shit weren't they i mean the in terms of the uh the record company they're like you know you have to come up with something better than what we've heard or we're going to dump you and they're like okay they come up with modern life is rubbish which the record company didn't seem to get as far as i can make out and then they were really on that last chance as you say that they when they're touring it and trying to get people to understand it and uh drinking a lot and trying to really push it over the line or to at least get it out there to people who then got it in large amounts it must have been a real really high pressure time and uh you know because we know that well, uh, graham, graham coxon is what well was he was a bit fragile at the time I, uh, yeah a bit later yeah, as I think well that's right. I, yeah I, I, I think you know graham cox is such an interesting character in the whole blur story you know a, yeah. a, lot, a lot is made of you know Damon Albarn and his kind of pop vision and, you know, his lyricism and his songwriting. Yeah. But I, th- I think, you know, the heart of the, the story, I think the heart of the band is Graham Coxon. Oh, because yeah. Because he, I've told this story on the on the, on the, the site and probably more than one article. I'm, I'm nothing if not, you know, um, self-regurgitating. <laughs> and the, <laughs> you know, being backstage on the part life show, I, you know, was there a few nights and Damon was the ringmaster. And mm-hmm. Alex would be surrounded by, you know, whichever gaggle of very beautiful young women, you know, had been brought to him. In fact, Louise Weiner from Sleeper talks about this in, in, in her book, just for one yeah. day, about yeah, what yeah. that tour was like. But th- then there's Graham, you know, and I can remember very clearly seeing Graham backstage at the Queen Hall, Queen's Hall in Edinburgh. And, you know, he he was just there. You know, there the, the wasn't the same sort of press of bodies against him. Mm. And he did. I think you're right. He, he looked, even at that point, fragile. There's something about me that thinks he's not particularly comfortable mm. with some of the trappings of, of his chosen career. You know, I think yeah. he'd be quite happy if he could just release music, which I guess is what he does now, right? He just kind of releases yeah. music and he, he doesn't have to worry about all the gubbins that goes alongside it. I actually like watching like interviews he does now because he's actually quite at ease with himself even though he, he yeah. does still seem a little bit on the edge i think that's just him yeah but um, it, it's nice to see that he's he's a bit more comfortable in it himself because at times during the, these periods that we're talking about he looks like he could um yeah rip his skin off or something but uh luckily he put it into his guitar and that's something which i wanted to bring up as well when we sure. started to talk about the actual music on Modern life is rubbish because, you know, I admit I'm a frustrated guitarist, as in I'm frustrated that I'm not 
a guitarist. (laughs) 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 I always wanted to be his, but the old adage rings true for me. It's like it would sound better if I threw it down the stairs. But, um, you know, I love guitarists, and Graham Coxon is by a long way my favourite. And um, on Modern Life is Rubbish, he really starts to get a real handle on that signature sound. All the different aspects of it, I mean, you know, I love that kind of brash, choppy stuff he does on stuff like um, Advert and Coping. the poppier stuff like star-shaped Sunday 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 here again in tidy attire you read the colour supplement the TV guide then you dream of protein on a plate regret you left it quite also the weird queasy stuff he comes up with as well you know we with all the bendy strings on things like pressure on julian and oily water miss america all these things it's it's for me listening to that and then as i said before we see interviews of him now and he plays those now and you look how the hell do you do that with your fingers and like he i don't think he actually when he was doing it coming up with it he was being a musician i think he was just doing it by feel and he knew what he wanted to do with it and how it sounded he still somehow manages to remember how to do it now unlike johnny marr apparently he can't play some of the smith stuff because it was so intricate that now he can't do it the same apparently but um yeah i think um i think graham cox and he improves massively in degrees on the two albums which came after Modern Life as well, as well. But then he starts to go off into a completely different league on Blur and 13, and after that he's just like... The sound changes, obviously, in the style, but for me, it's quintessential Coxon on, on Modern Life as rubbish. It's just... Do you think he gets the credit that he... He deserves Nick, because I, I, I'm thinking about you know when people talk about you know great British guitarists. If we put Johnny Marr to one side, you know I'm talking about maybe from the sort of indie era on, right? So Johnny mm. Marr kind of is, I mean he's almost deified, right? Yeah. Um, but then from the Britpop era, or certainly from that kind of early '90s era forward through the the baggy thing, mm. you know John Squires gets a lot of love. Um, Andy Bell from Ride gets a lot of love. Mm. I'm not so sure that I hear 
Coxon being talked about in the same way, and I I don't understand that because I'm with you. I think some of the things that he did, uh, and and I agree especially about those slightly trippier, slightly queasier uh, moments, and then the, yeah. the later stuff, the kind of post Britpop stuff, where he's clearly drawing on you know d- different inspirations. He's he's moved on from you know the backwards looking stuff that that had so infused the, the, the Britpop albums. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know that he gets the same. Bernard Butler should we chuck him into the mix as well I don't know that he gets the same respect and I wonder if that's about I don't know I, I wonder if that's about just the force of Damon Albarn's personality mm, and, and how right. much of the how much of the light he kind of sucks into himself not yeah. not willfully I don't think you know I just I just think when you've got somebody like Damon who is as beautiful as certainly as he he was and he's still infinitely more attractive than I am now that we've <laughs> progressed to these later stages of life but you know he was a very beautiful boy he was witty, he was gobby, you know, he had a twinkle in his eye. And I wonder if that was it. I wonder if there's a bit of that. What do you think? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think um, put up against a front man like Damon Albarn at that time, um, you, have to be, you have to be a personality and a character to match that, to be noticed. I think um, it, it's more, it's not just how you can play and what your contribution to the music is at that point, especially in that era. I think you have to be you have to be glowing like Alban was, and Graham. You know he's he's not back then. He wasn't an unattractive guy either. He had the he had it going well, on. He's a good but, boy, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, because of the the shyness, and you've got uh, Alex James. You could learn and get off of the lamppost. <laughs> <you know>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then and there's. There's Dave. Come on, we love Dave. Dave's a Dave's a local councillor in my hometown at the moment, which is funny. I, I have to I have to drop this into the conversation right now because I got this got this message from my mate the other day who works at Norwich Council, and he actually took a slash next to Dave in the in the the, the toilets the other day, and I asked him if he went woohoo next to him, but um, but he didn't. Well, yeah, I, 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 I wonder. Now I'm thinking, Nick, that we've wasted um, <laughs> 40 minutes uh, t- t- talking like anyway. a couple of old, you know, kind of musical wankers about records from our youth. What we should really have been doing was uh, just, you know, a 30-second podcast where one or other of us uh, says something vaguely insulting <laughs> about uh, a Britpop icon. Oh, exactly. Alex James, get off with a, a lamppost, that get one. Get off with a lamppost. See you next thanks, week. Thanks for listening, yeah. everybody. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> exactly. We do little snippets. We can put them online. Um, well, I, well yeah. but, but come on. Let's, I think let, you're let, right. Let's, let's, let's be honest, Nick. Yeah. Maybe not for you. I mean, you're a deeply attractive man in, in so many ways. But for me, I would have been quite happy with the attentions of a lamppost. So I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge Alex too harshly for that. No, I mean I have to I have to admit I've hung hung on a lamppost at the end of the night and none of them came <laughs> none of them came home with me so you know <laughs> all right I, listen, I, don't know, I don't know if you're right about that anyway let's move on rapidly let's move on let's let's begin to bring things to a, a close i wonder if there are yeah. things on the album that you don't like or do you think that the, the whole thing needs all of those component parts um see i don't like sunday sunday do you not no. I think well, I I don't I don't dislike it, and I can see kind of see where you're coming from. It, it's a bit knees up, Mother Brown, right? And um, I, I think it all works very well together. 
What what about if I if I let you go back in time and I let yeah. you take out Sunday Sunday and put yeah. in either Beachcomber or Mace? Oh yeah, well then, no no question, I'll put Mace in instead. We're but whether Mace or not, instead. yeah, but but whether or not that would um, mess with the flow and the message. Well, that's prob- true. Probably would. I mean, if you if you then said maybe would you put Pop Scene in instead? Is that too many? big tunes well that's, you need, yeah, you I mean, that's a, the thing isn't it yeah. yeah you would need a fast one to replace it i think and mace is kind of but i mean i'm just wondering whether or not <coughs> if you took it out and put something it's hard to say i mean who, who was it was this i think somebody online was um going on about taking out various tunes they hated on be here now and putting in some of the b-sides and i'm on board with that and you know there are some things which should have been put on instead and would have made it a better album. I don't know whether or not you could do the same with Modern Life is Rubbish and what they had going on at that time and still have the same impact and cohesion as what you've got now. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're probably right. I think you, you make a compelling case. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to let Sunday Sunday stay, which, yeah, I, think, you know, which I think is very yeah. magnanimous of me. It is. It is. I, I, I think. I think they should be, you know, very, you know, show their gratitude in some way for that. <laughs> but, um, Maybe it's a, it's a sign of how perfect the album actually is that I hadn't thought about. There's nothing I would skip. You know, there are some albums where you go like, okay, maybe go on to the next one, but it runs it runs through for me. And, well, that's uh, true, actually. Now, yeah. That's true, because I, the, the moment you said that, I was thinking, you know, because obviously I listened to it a lot while I was writing mm. the, the, the piece, and I didn't skip Sunday Sunday. You know, I didn't think, oh well, I know that, so I'm just mm. going to I'm just going to move past that, and I'm going to spend a little bit more time on X, Y, or Z. Mm. No, you're right. I mean, it it does work as a as a whole, right? Okay. But, why, but I'm coming, I'm coming round okay. to Sunday Sunday. Okay, but you haven't told me why you would want to take it out. What it is about it? I, I, yeah, the, there's something about borders on being a kind of. It's not this, but I, I've got a problem with funny songs. <laughs> okay no no i'm with you carry on you know there's there's a difference between a a comedy record i understand that there is a difference between you know joe dolce's shut up your face and sunday sunday but it's such a fine line like park life i i I cannot stand that song and that i would absolutely skip i don't like it i hated the video i i I hated the phil daniels thing i thought it was too obvious um and i i I didn't care what they said at the time about how you know they were more influenced by mean time than quadrophenia everybody knows why they put phil daniels on that that record at that point i I just don't like it i I talked on 
another piece that I put up the other day. There's been so many this month, but <laughs> another thing I've been yeah, saying. Fair play. I went to see Stuart Lee, the comedian uh, in Edinburgh once, and there was a guitar at the back of the stage, and I could not relax. I could not relax. I could not give myself over to that thing that he does, you know, the repetition, the beat, the rhythm, you know, it's almost like a jazz performance when you see Stuart Lee, you know, it's so clever, it's so carefully constructed, but I knew that there was a song coming at the end, and I knew it was going to be a funny song, and I, I, could, not un, I could not relax, <laughs> but, but in, interestingly, that, that says something about the, the magnificence of the rest of Modern Life is Rubbish, because it doesn't stop me enjoying the album, and I don't skip it, so maybe it's not, a, I, you know, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it again. As soon as this is done, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and listen. Maybe maybe I've got this all wrong. Maybe I'm. Maybe, do you know what I'm trying to do? Maybe maybe I'm just trying to be you know that guy. Yeah, like this is a great record, but, but yeah, I don't want to be that guy, Nick. Yeah, yeah, they get a job at the Quietus if you do stuff like that. Oh, uh, let's not go there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think um, I don't think there's anything which I would change, which is great. And um, I'm super happy I managed to get it on. Well, I say I managed to get it. It's not like the hardest thing in the world, but I've got it now on vinyl, and uh, it's a double album on heavyweight vinyl, and it sounds lovely. It sounds really, really nice. And, um, yeah, my little girl, she um, actually likes Sunday Sunday, I have to say. It's got that, it's, maybe it's got that kind of childlike kind of doom, 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 doom thing going on, which maybe gets a three-and-a-half-year-old up and dancing. But Yeah, you know. no, I, I know why you've shared that story. I know what's going on Twitter now. My old man of Max hates children. Yeah, that's that's, that, it, that's, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, My, my little it. girl loves Sunday Sunday. My old man of Max hates Sunday Sunday. Ergo, my old man of Max <laughs> hates children. Uh, well, before... before we finish yeah. before we finish completely uh, we, we should maybe trail yeah. what's mm. going to come next time we talk by saying that of course modern life is rubbish is not the first Britpop album it's not the album that really kickstarts that move that of course would be the eponymous debut album from suede looking forward to that one too yeah, I, I know you've got a lot to say about that, uh, as do I. Well, listen, Nick, thank you so much for giving up uh, some time uh, to talk oh, to me. You're very it's, welcome. Anytime, man. Anytime. You know that. <laughs>